All right. So I hope all of you have had a good day so far. So tonight we are continuing a series that we started last week called Counting the Cost. And we are studying select parts of the book of Matthew uh, as we discover what it means to be a true disciple of Christ. Uh, And since the summer, we've kind of been on this journey together, understanding through the book of Esther uh, that we just as people have purpose and have a calling and that God desires to be in relationship with us. And then we looked uh, last month in the month of September, we looked at uh, a series called Marked as we understood what it looked like once we understood that we had a purpose and a calling, what does it look like to live a life marked by God? And so right now we are in a series where we're discovering, okay, we are disciples of God, of Christ. What does this mean for us and what is required of us? Uh, Because we established last week that a lot of times we think just as disciples and as followers of Christ that our life is just going to be easy and that there's not going to be a ton asked of us. Uh, But when we have that mindset, we're incredibly wrong. Uh, So tonight, I want us to take another step forward. And I want us to look at three aspects of being a true disciple. And I think as we look at these three different aspects, we are going to be incredibly challenged. Because I think all of these aspects are something that we struggle with. And and something that we as people and we as Christians could just do a whole lot better at. You know, we always grew up hearing a couple things. And I want you to fill in the blank here, okay? Treat others the way... You want to be treated. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so while we all know this as the golden rule, uh, we're pretty bad at keeping this golden rule. Uh, Because just as people in general, we tend to be kind of selfish. Um, But as we discovered last week, Jesus provided us the perfect example. And he showed us that what it meant To love was really to serve. And it was through Jesus' love that he he served us. And that he served us on the cross. But it was also through the love of his father, God, that Jesus came into this world. Now a lot of us know the one of the most iconic verses in the Bible, John 3.16, it said, What? For God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus, into the world. And so that we see that it was through the love of God that we were that he served us. So tonight, as, as we look at each of these three aspects, you're going to notice a cost that is associated with each aspect. And each aspect builds off of the one before it. So the first one stands alone. The second one will build off of the first one. And the third one will build off of the first two. And each one is essential, is required, if we're going to be true disciples of Christ. So the first aspect that I want to look at tonight is this. A true disciple loves. A true disciple loves. You might remember last February we did a a series on relationships and love, and, and the very first night that we talked in the series, we talked about fantasy love. And, and we talked a lot about the difference between the type of love that the world tells us is true versus the type of love that the Bible tells us we should have. And we, as we were working through that series, we saw that the, the world produces fake love. The world tells us to love in a way that is selfish. The world tells you you need to look for what you want. The world makes love about you and about me. It makes it about ourselves. But when we look at Scripture, it tells us something completely different. Scripture tells us that love is not about ourselves, it's about the other person. It's the complete opposite of what the world says. Scripture says, plain and simple, loving equals serving. Loving equals serving. I mean, I just want you to, to look at worldly love. I just want you to look at the world. The world is, is telling you to love in a certain way, but is there really love in the world? Is there really love in the world? 
Or is there really just love amongst groups that agree with one another? Amongst friends? Is there love throughout the world or is it just amongst people who share the same ideas? People that you agree with. Is there love amongst the people that you disagree with? Who are different than you? Who think differently than you? Is there really love throughout the world? Because I think if, if we're being honest, the answer is no. The answer is no. And the reason for that is because the world has told you that love is all about you. When, when you're getting into a relationship, a lot of times we, we think, are they compatible with me? Am I compatible with them? Are they cute? Do I find them attractive? We ask all these questions about what we think, what we want, and the love never focuses on serving. But I want you to look at Matthew chapter 5. And tonight we're going to be in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. But first we're going to be in Matthew 5, 43 through 47. Here's what it says. Listen to this. Because, like I said, tonight and this whole series is going to challenge you if you're being honest with yourself. And this right here, this, I mean, the scripture that we look at tonight is challenging. Especially this passage right here. It says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who you love, what, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans, people who do not follow the Lord, do that. So Jesus here is, is speaking. And, and, and he asks some very tough questions, and he makes a very tough statement for us. He comes right out the gate and says, look, I, I know that you've been told love your neighbor as yourself. And the people that are mean to you, the people that don't treat you well, you know, you hate them. But he says, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the person that's mean to you, love them. Love them the same way that you love the person that's nice to you. Love your enemies. And, and he makes the point that as true children of God, this is what we do. He says this is the mark of true children of God. This is what separates Christians from those who aren't Christians. This is what separates Scripture from the world. You've got people in your life right now that you can think of that probably don't deserve your love. I know there are people in my life right now that do not deserve my love. But you are also a person in someone, someone's life and you might not deserve their love. Let me tell you something. You hurt God every day. I hurt God every day. Every time that we sin, we turn our back to God and we hurt God. But what does he continuously do? He continuously chooses to love you despite what you do. He chooses to love you. Now this is something that is incredibly, incredibly hard for us. But if we're going to be true disciples, if we're going to be true children of God, we've got to get this down. Because if we cannot get down the fact of loving others as ourselves, not just our neighbor, not just the person that's nice to us, but also the person that makes fun of us. If we cannot get this down, everything else that I'm about to talk about will never happen. 
It won't happen. This right here is the foundation. Right here. And, and we'll see that everything else, like everything we're talking about, Christ has already set the example for us. Christ has set the example for us to love. And it is Christ's love and the love of God that sets the foundation for everything else that he does for us. We do not deserve God's love. But he chooses to show it to us, regardless of what we do. And he says it. He says, I choose to send rain to the just and the unjust, those who do good and those who don't do good. The sun still comes up on everyone every day. God doesn't choose who he shows his kindness to. You know, a lot of times we can ask, and an argument is, well, you know, God, like, why does he continue to bless those who hate him? Why does God continue to bless those who hate him? I'll share a story with you. It's about my dad and my relationship with him. You know, when, when I was in high school, uh, my parents' relationship, as I've told you all before, <laughs> went, went way down. And with that, my relationship with my dad crashed and burned. And it got to the point where when I was in college, all I would do was call my dad for money. Whenever I needed money, and I've told you all this, all I would do is call my dad when I need money. Even to the point where he said in a phone call, I wish you would just call me besides when you need money. But let me ask you a question. My dad knew that I'll, I, I really didn't care to talk to him. And I really didn't have a relationship with him. And all I really wanted was his money. But why did he continue to give me money? Because he loved me. And he continued to show me love and show me kindness because he was hoping that one day I would want more than just his money. God continues to bless those who hate him because he's hoping one day they're going to choose to turn to him for more than just what he gives them. My dad was hoping that I would turn to him for a relationship, not just what he would give me. And God's doing the same thing with us. He'll continue to bless us even when we hate him. But he continues to bless us because he's hoping that we'll turn to him for a relationship. A, a relationship instead of just what he gives us. But here's the thing. It was through the radical love of Christ that we were able to have a relationship with him. And it is through your radical love and through our radical love for others that the radical love of God can be seen by all. It is through our radical love for others that the radical love of God can be seen by all. And that just simply means that it's crazy. The love of God is crazy. But as disciples of Christ, we are called to mimic the lifestyle of Christ. We are called to copy the lifestyle of Christ. And so in that, our love should be crazy. Your love for others should be crazy. When you love someone who is rude to you, who hates you, they should be able to look at you and go, you're crazy for being nice to me. You're crazy. But it's only crazy because it's not the normal. It's not normal. It goes against what the world says to do. In order to have this radical love, though, this love where we love our enemies is only possible through one thing. You will only be able to love those that you have differences with if you're willing to sacrifice your pride. Having radical love like Jesus' love will cost you your pride. You cannot have pride and love your enemies. You can't. It's not possible. Because this love requires you to accept the fact 
that everyone deserves love. And that you're no better than anyone else. It's going to cost you your pride. But as I said, this love, this radical love is essential if we're, to, if we're going to be true disciples that have the next two aspects. And the second aspect is this. The second aspect is a true disciple doesn't judge. Ouch. A true disciple doesn't judge. And I would say that judging others is two things. First, something that we all hate. We all hate it when someone judges others. We hate it. But we also really struggle with judging others. It's kind of ironic. We hate the thing that we struggle with. Even though we hate judging, like others judging people, we still do it. And and I want to be very clear on this. When Jesus talks about judging others, he doesn't just talk about the outward expression of judging. Like when you see someone actually making fun of them. This goes so far to say that even when you're judging people in your mind and your heart, you're, you're wrong. This isn't just talking about judging people outwardly. This is judging people inside your mind and inside your heart. It deals a lot with stereotypes. And, and I'm going to put some pictures up here in just a second. And I want you to just think to yourself, what is your first impression? What are your first initial thoughts when you see these pictures? Put up the first one. You got this picture of a family going to their private jet. So I just want you quietly to to think to yourself, what do you think about this? All right, the next picture is a picture of someone experiencing homelessness. And I want you to think, what are your first impressions when you see this picture? All right, the next picture is a picture of some girls enjoying some pumpkin spice lattes and blueberry muffins. Doesn't require you to talk. Doesn't require you to talk. I just want you to think to yourself, what are your first impressions? All right, the next picture is a picture of two Christians sharing the gospel and praying for someone in public. I want you to think, what are your first impressions of this? All right. I think we can all admit that we have stereotypes. And I'll be the first one to admit to you that I'm a very stereotypical person. And I struggle with stereotypes a lot. But all of you, just right now, are guilty of judging. Myself included. All of you had stereotypes about those pictures. With the private jet, the family walking to the private jet, you might have thought, hmm, they're really rich. But, well, let me ask you a question. Are they? Maybe they got invited to go on a trip, and it's not their jet at all. You, you saw a picture of a man sleeping on a bench, and you probably assumed, yeah, he's homeless. Yeah, he probably hasn't had a shower in a long time. He probably smells. When you saw the, the picture of the girls drinking Starbucks, you were probably like, they're basic. And and when you saw the picture of the Christians sharing their faith in public, you might have thought they're doing too much. They're doing too much. We all have stereotypes, and we we can all admit that we make assumptions about people based on the way they act, based on the way they look, based on the way they smell, based on the way they talk, whatever. We all make assumptions based on this. 
But I think we could all agree that we spend way too much time judging others. We spend way too much time doing it. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And Jesus is very clear right, right out of the gate. He says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard that you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged also. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I want to make a very clear distinction here. And and I think before we unpack this scripture, we have to come to this understanding. Loving others means not judging them. Okay, We we would agree with this. Loving others means not judging them. And we would say, because that's what it means, that loving others also means accepting others, accepting people. We would all agree on that, and and we would be right to agree that loving others means not judging them and, and accepting them as people. But here's what we have to realize. And everything that I'm about to say is backed up right here by Scripture. Accepting others as people, does not necessarily mean accepting everything that they do. Accepting others as people doesn't necessarily mean accepting everything that they do. See, here's the thing. You can, you can love people, you can love people, and love others, and not accept everything that they do. I, I think we got a very, like, we got a very good example of this in the media this week. We've got a great example of this. On Sunday, the, the Cowboys, I, I forget who, I think they were playing the Packers, Green Bay. And George, former president, George W. Bush, was sitting up in, in one of the boxes, and Ellen DeGeneres was sitting next to him. And Ellen got a lot of, a lot of criticism for sitting next to President Bush. A lot of people said, how could you, as as someone that is a part of the LGBTQ community, Ellen, how could you sit next to a president who doesn't agree with you in the way that you live your life? How could you do that? I I mean, I'm being honest. That was what was, I mean, go look at Twitter. That is what was being said. And here's what Ellen said, and I applaud her for this. Ellen set the perfect example for people. She said, you're right, he doesn't agree with me, but he's my friend. He's my friend. And I can be friends with him, and I can love him despite that. I can love others even when we don't agree, and I can be friends with others even when we don't agree. Your parents, my parents, look, I grew up, my parents loved me. But they did not agree with everything that I did. That is why I got in trouble. That is why I got my butt whooped. That is why I got grounded. My parents still loved me, but they didn't accept everything that I did. And and I think if we're looking at verse 5, put verse 5 back up there for me. Here's what it says. Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus isn't just saying ignore the sin in other people's lives. Jesus is making it very clear here that we need to deal with the sin in other people's lives. And Jesus isn't saying judge them. He's saying call them out. Call them out. There's a difference between judging someone and calling them out on something that they're doing. Jesus, through his love for us, calls us out in our sin. 
is why we have the Ten Commandments. The purpose of the Ten Commandments were to show us our need for a Savior, to show us where we're messing up. Through his love for us, he showed us our need for a Savior. But when we're calling people out in their sin, I think there's, I, I think even in this passage, there's, there's two things, two things that we have to do. And Jesus talks about this. You know, he's, he's saying, look, you got to deal with the sin in your life first. That's the first thing is you, you have, before you go call out someone else's sin, before I go call out the sin in Cole's life, I need to look at the sin in my life first. And there's a couple of things that when, when we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with the sin in our lives that happen here. When we do this, we eliminate our ability to judge. When you look at the sin in your life first, you will eliminate your ability to judge others. Because you will see that just like them, you are a sinner. Just it, it might not be the same way, but you're still sinning. Your perspective will change from coming at them in a condemning way, in a judging way, and you'll be filled with love, you'll be filled with compassion. You'll be filled with love and you'll be filled with compassion. You'll want to help them. You won't be calling them out because you're trying to show them where they're messing up in life. You'll be calling them out in, your, in their sin because you're trying to help them live a better life. Because when we're walking in sin, good things don't happen. There are consequences for our sin. And so when, we, when we're filled with this love and compassion and we understand the sin in our life, our, our perspective completely changes. You know, we, we move from just wanting to tell people that they're wrong to wanting to help them. You know, I, I've told you all about my grandmother. My grandmother uh, is Buddhist. Now, do I agree with the way that she lives? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But there's one thing that I've never told her. I've never told her that she's wrong. I've never told her that she's wrong. Now, I've shared the love of Christ with her, and I've shared the gospel with her. But I've never said the words, you are wrong. Because there's so much better ways to have conversation with people. Because a lot of times what we'll find is what we view as sin, other people may not view as sin. And when we're calling someone out, we need to be filled with compassion and understanding. But here's the other thing that we have to do. We have to form a relationship with them. I, I, I want you to just think. If, if someone, if, if Joe Blow came up to you on the sidewalk or at school and said, hey, the way you're living your life is wrong. You're a sinner. How's that going to make you feel? <laughs> you go, excuse me? Excuse me? How do you have any business to tell me how to live my life? How do you have any business to tell me what is right and what is wrong? Who are you? I don't even know you. Why do you think that you can just come up to me and tell me that the way I'm living is wrong? When we form a relationship with someone, it allows you to be understood. And it allows your perspective to be understood. And it, it, I mean, if you go and challenge someone and you don't even know them, you're just speaking words to a brick wall. You might as well, if you don't have a relationship with them, you might as well not even talk to them. Because they're not going to listen. They don't know you. But when you form a relationship with someone and you care more about them than you do about telling them that they're wrong, 
then your challenge has something to stand on. Then your challenge has a possibility of being accepted. You know, here, here's the thing. And it all goes back to this. You won't call someone out in their sin if you don't love them. You won't do it. You won't do it. Because you won't care enough about them to do it. When we see our friends, our family members, the people that we love walking in sin, we should want to call them out because we should want them to live a better life. But if you don't love them, you won't call them out. Choosing to love instead of judging someone, though, here's what it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your pride. Choosing to love someone instead of judging them will cost you your pride. For you to understand that you are just as equally, equally a sinner as they are, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take sacrificing your pride. You've got you've to understand, hey, you're not all that. You're not all that. You are equal. You might be popular at school, but you know what? In God's eyes, you're just as equally as a sinner as the person sitting next to you. You are no better than anyone else. No better. You went and served? Great. Good job. Gold star for you. But you're still a sinner. That person who didn't go serve, you're still equally as a sinner as them. Great. You're really good at not cussing, and the person sitting next to you cusses a lot? Great. You're still equally a sinner. Great. You're, you don't lie? The person sitting next to you lies a lot? Great. You're still equally as a sinner as them. You know, a lot of times we get caught up on what we do. And we sit there and we just inflate our ego because we think we're just a great Christian. We're just really following the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to use this example. And <laughs> a student texted me uh, <laughs> the other day, I think it was Monday, and said, I'm going to be perfect today. I said, Good luck. Yeah, the person knows who I'm talking about. But here's the thing. It, you know what I responded? Here's what I said. I said, great. Don't talk in class. Don't cuss. Don't get distracted in class. Make sure you pay attention. And I just went on down the list. I said, oh, by the way, don't think anything bad about anybody. Don't even think a cuss word. Don't even, don't lie. You better be 100% completely honest, especially like in your heart and in your mind. And the response I got back was, oh, oh, you might, look, you may be the best Christian to ever walk this earth but you are still a sinner. You're still a sinner. You've still missed the mark. And in God's eyes, we're all guilty. All sin is equal. So it's going to cost you your pride. Here's the third thing, the third aspect I want to talk about. And this is the hardest thing. And tonight, you'll notice at the top of the paper, uh, this sermon is called The Ultimate Test. The Ultimate Test. A true disciple forgives. A true disciple forgives. This right here is the ultimate test of being a true disciple of Christ. This is the ultimate test. And if you do not love others, and you've, if you are not willing to love instead of judging, you will never get to this. If you cannot grasp the first two aspects, 
you can just forget about ever grasping this aspect. Forget about it. You will never forgive if, if, if you can't handle this. Forgiving others, here's what it requires you to do. It requires you to first love others, and then it requires you to set aside your judgments. That is why this builds off of the first two things. It requires you to love others, but also set aside your judgments. And and here's the thing. We all struggle with forgiving. But we don't struggle with forgiving on the small things or when someone doesn't hurt us. Where we find that we begin to struggle with forgiving is when we get hurt. We struggle with forgiveness when we're asked to forgive someone who hurt us. If I ask you to go forgive someone for stubbing, you know, stepping on your foot, that's not going to be a, a big deal. It didn't really hurt you. But if I go ask you to forgive someone who ruined your reputation, I guarantee you the majority of this room would say, there's no way I'm going to go do that. And I'm going to include myself in that. I'll include myself in that. I will not stand here and tell you that I am great at forgiving. Because I'm not. I'd be lying to you if I said that. But the reason that we struggle with forgiveness is this. We want to judge them. We will not forgive those who hurt us because we want to judge them. And we want to make sure that they get what they deserve. And until we believe that they got what they had coming for them, we refuse to forgive them. We refuse. We won't do it. But here's what Jesus says on this. I love Jesus. He's just so honest. Look at Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. Ouch. This is going to hurt. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But. But. If you refuse. If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. 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 Plain and simple. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, plain and simple. We must forgive. You must forgive. This is not optional. This is not optional at all. In in teaching the disciples how to pray, Jesus says, pray like this. He says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This isn't, Uh, forgive if you want to forgive. And here's the thing. We all want our sins to be forgiven. We all want our sins to be forgiven. And so Jesus says, look, if you want forgiveness, you have to give forgiveness. That's how this works. If you want forgiveness, you have to be willing to give forgiveness. Now, I want to make something very clear here because I think we all have We all have the wrong view of what forgiveness actually is. We all grew up, fill in the blank, forgive and forget. We all grew up hearing that. And here's the thing, that's just the wrong, that's that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean excusing what someone did. Forgiveness does not mean forget what happened. Here's what forgiveness is. I want you to hear this. Because this will challenge you. Forgiveness is choosing to love them instead of hating them. Forgiveness is choosing to let go of your grudge against them instead of judging them. Forgiveness is choosing to trust God to handle the situation how he deems is right and fair. But here's the catch. 
what is fair to God may not seem fair to you. I'll ask you a couple questions. I just want you to think this to yourself. Answer these questions to yourself. Have you ever been immediately punished for something you did wrong? Have you ever been punished a little later on for something that you did wrong? Maybe not received an immediate consequence. I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever not been punished for something you did wrong? Here's the thing. We could probably all answer this question with yes. Every single question, we could say yes. Yes, we've been punished immediately. Yes, we've been punished, but it was a little later on after it happened. And yes, we were, we were freed of punishment for something that we did wrong. And, and when we do something wrong, this is how God handles things. In one of three ways. But when we say, all right, God, I'm going to let you handle things, what do we really mean? I think we really mean, all right, God, I'll forgive them, but uh, they better still receive the punishment. They better still receive a punishment. Because then, if, if they never receive a punishment for what they did to us, we start saying, God, that, that's just not fair. You're just not fair. You're not fair. But God's saying, look, how many times have I let you off the hook? How many times have I shown you forgiveness? How about, ev- honestly, how about this? How about God has shown you forgiveness every time that you've done something wrong? Now, look, you you still face consequences. And sometimes you mess up, and the consequence is going to come later in life because of a decision that you made. But God still forgives you. And sometimes you don't have a consequence for what you did. And just because... God chooses to handle things that way with someone else doesn't mean that he's not being fair. It takes a lot, a lot, a lot of effort to forgive someone. It takes loving people as people. It takes being willing to acknowledge that they did something wrong but choosing to not hold a grudge. But it'll cost you your pride. It'll cost you your pride. And we're going to get, we'll hit on that a little more here in just a second. You know, this this sermon, I decided that we were going to talk on this back in August. And it's been really cool to me to, to see, first, what Ellen did, how that played perfectly into what we're talking about. But I also want you to watch this video because this video happened last week. I went, I went home after church last Wednesday, and I found this video. And some of you may have already seen it, but I want you to watch this because this is true forgiveness. Watch this. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you, and I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. think anyone could say it again I'm speaking for myself not even bad for my family but I love you just like anyone else and I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did but I see I I personally want the best for you and I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. Again, I love you. As a person, 
And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. If you truly are sorry. So I want to set the stage of what that video was about. The man that was talking was the brother of a, of a guy who was shot and killed by a police officer. That police officer was the woman that he hugged. That woman shot and killed his brother. And there's a lot that goes into the situation, but here's what I want you to see and hear. That is true forgiveness. She shot and killed his brother. And what does he say? I love you as a person. He didn't accept what she did wrong. But he said, I love you as a person. What did he say? He said, I want the best for you. I don't even want you to go to jail. I don't even want you to go to jail. I love you. And then asked if he could go give her a hug. I don't know about you, but that's radical love. That right there is radical love. That is choosing to love someone that has hurt you the most. That is choosing not to judge someone. And that is choosing to forgive, no matter what has happened. That is the love and compassion of Christ. What does he say? I hope, you I hope you give your life to Jesus. Because that is what would be best for you. And I want what is best for you. Let me ask you a question. Do you want what is best for those that hurt you? Do you want what's best for them? Are you willing to love them? The love and compassion and forgiveness that Christ shows us is perfectly displayed in that video. And it's that same love and compassion and forgiveness that I pray that I can show people. And I pray that you can show people. And I pray that people will show you. You're going to get hurt. But you're also going to hurt people. And so just as when we mess up, we want to be forgiven, we need to be willing to forgive others when they hurt us. If we're going to be true disciples of Christ, this, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. This is what you're called to do. It's going to cost you your pride. You're going to have to love. You're going to have to stop judging people. And you're going to have to forgive. A lot easier said than done. I think we can all agree on that. A lot easier said than done. But this is what you are called to do as a true disciple of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the love and compassion and forgiveness that you show us each and every day. Lord, we thank you that even when we turn our back to you, Lord, and we hurt you, Lord, you choose to show us love. You choose to show us compassion and forgiveness. And Lord, as we receive your love and your forgiveness, Lord, I pray that we would turn to those who have hurt us and give them our love and our forgiveness. Lord, I pray that you would help us with this because this is something that we all struggle with. Lord, and this is not something that we can do by our own strength. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to set aside our differences.
to let go of our grudges. And Lord, just to trust you that you're going to handle our situations. Lord, help us forgive. Lord, I pray for each of these students, Lord, that any of them that are hurt, Lord, that you'd just heal them. But Lord, I pray that you'd give them the strength to forgive. Lord, I pray that as they go to small groups, Lord, that you would open their minds and open their hearts, Lord, that your truth and your word would not just sit in their minds, but Lord, would flow to their hearts and out into their lives. Lord, I pray that you would bless the time that we have together tonight. Lord, I pray that you would keep these kids safe and just continue to pour your blessings out upon their lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone. This is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you, and thank you for listening.